Beautiful. Love the violin. Great music. I was blessed. Were you blessed? Amen. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, this morning I got up and I was doing my devotions, and I was looking at Psalm, Psalm chapter 90, uh, verse 17, and it just stood out to me, and for some, I've read it many times, you have too probably, but it touched my soul this morning. May the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. We are the body of Christ. We are his representatives on this planet. And we are to, he's going to use us to lighten the earth with his glory. Amen. And the song came to my mind, that old song probably 30 years ago, how beautiful is the body of Christ. And I looked at my wife and I had a thought. She loves it when I have those type of thoughts. <laughs> Do you think you could sing that a cappella this morning? She hasn't sang for probably eight years or nine years since we moved away from Washington. But uh, I'm going to ask her to sing, How Beautiful is the Body of Christ. God wants to shine in us. He wants to rise up. And he wants us to shine now in the darkness of this world. Margie. How beautiful. 
this day. We've been praying for the Holy Spirit. We prayed last night, and we should pray every single day for an outpouring of God's Holy Spirit upon us. We have some great needs in our world today. The world has its need. The church has its need. The world, you can see the need of the world. It is broken into a thousand pieces. And if we're going to help the world. We better be partaking of the bread of Jesus Christ. God has called me and you to be the body of Christ. He has called us to do his business, to seek and to save that which is lost, to comfort those that need healing in a broken world. If we want to have an impact on this world, if we want to be effective in reaching the lost, if we want to see the three angels' message swell into the loud cry, then we better be spending some time in the Word of God. If we want to have the latter rain, we better be in the Word because the power is in the Word. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, My words are spirit, and they are truth. We need to be about our Father's business. You know, God says... Endu you know, he wants to endure us with power from on high. What is this power? I want to give you a little review. Some of you have been here since Thursday night, and you've seen this. I want to give you a snippet and catch you up, and then we're going to go further into the Scriptures. This power isn't about control. This power that God wants to give us is not to dominate others. It is not about dictating to others. This power is power to be bold for Jesus Christ, to see the opportunities, to pray for opportunities, to bring them the message of the gospel of Jesus. My friends, we don't need another out-of-the-box program. We need Jesus Christ. Amen. Down in Chattanooga, somebody thought it was a good idea. Hey, let's get a helicopter and let's drop Easter eggs and invite the community to come. Well, they got a crowd. Everybody likes to eat Easter eggs. But what happened after that? My friends, we have everything that we need today except the power of the living God. Mercy. 
Jesus says that he wants us to receive power from the Holy Spirit, it says in Acts 1. Power to love those that aren't very lovely. To power to have peace and joy. Oh, Keith, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you got cancer and it's stage four. He wants us to have power to be patient with those people that pop into our, in front of our cars. He wants us to be kind to those that aren't very kind, to be good to those that are not good to us. And we can have that Holy Spirit right now. Amen. We had it last night. We asked God and God promises, if you ask, I will give. Amen. We got to believe it by faith. I might not have any electricity going through me. I may not be barking like a dog or speaking in tongues. But when God, and I tell you what, there's a, for every truth, there's a counterfeit. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, it says this, Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you might receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It says you shall. It doesn't say perhaps. It doesn't say maybe. It says you shall. And my friends, when we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, we receive an earnest of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It is the Holy Spirit that convicts us of sin. It's the Holy Spirit that helps us to understand with our hearts and minds. It is the Holy Spirit that teaches and leads us. My friends, that power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, I have the earnest of the Holy Spirit, but I want to grow in the Holy Spirit. Paul says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, be strong in the Lord. My friends, we're in a warfare. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. We need to put on the armor of God. Now, this Holy Spirit, was it just for 2,000 years ago, or is it for today? It's for today. Look at verse 39. We're in verse 38. Look at verse 39. It says, for the promise is to you and to your children and to how many? All who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Now, when we looked at Luke 11 a few days ago, or yesterday, I guess it was, it all kind of blends jet lag and all that. But anyway, we talked about the Lord's Prayer. And God, in the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer, there's seven requests. There's nothing wrong with asking for God's will. Every one of those requests were God's will. And then he tells a parable about bread. But God is trying to tell us something here. A, so a friend comes into town, and this person has no food in the house, has no bread. Goes to another neighbor, knocks at the door, and what time was it when they knocked on the door? Man, that's rude. What are you thinking? My kids are asleep. Get out of here. I'm not leaving. Knock, knock, knock. Ding, dong, ding, dong. I need my bread. My friends, if I don't have bread, I won't have anything to give to my friends out here in the world. I need the bread of life. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And he, if you're not doing devotions, if you're not into the word, if you're not being blessed by the word, if you're not tearing until you're endued from on high, what are you going to be able to give to others? And this leads us right up 
to the asking of the Holy Spirit. Ten times, ten times he says to ask, to seek, to knock. Here in verse 9 it says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Ten times he goes on. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who asks finds, and the one who knocks the door will be open. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, Will you give him a snake instead? Or if the, he asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the what? The Holy Spirit to those who ask him. And when you look at that word in the Greek, this last time where it says ask, it is a continual thing. It's a continual process. It's not just, uh, like I said earlier this week, you know, I got baptized in 1979. I had read the Bible all the way through, and God was so patient and kind. I can remember reading the Bible for a couple of hours. My friends would come by, and they had dope and beer. Come on, Keith. Oh, yeah. So I go, and I smoke some dope, and I drink some beer. Incredible. And yet my heart was warmed by the scriptures, but the Lord, there was a great controversy going on. There was a war going, a battle for the mind, and praise God, Jesus won that battle. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yes. How important is this gift? He illustrates it in Matthew 25. You see, in Matthew 24, we hear about the signs of the second coming of Christ, and brothers and sisters, those signs are being fulfilled like crazy today I mean any way you want to look at it it's happening right before our very eyes and we're asleep and so in Matthew 24 he talks about what's happening out in the world before he comes but in Matthew 25 he shares with us what's happening with the church before he comes in Matthew chapter 25 there is a wedding and these ten virgins have been invited to come and see the bridegroom. But my friends, in the wedding, there's been a delay. Has there been a delay in the coming of our Lord? Yes. How many years? 172? Uh, or something like that? And so, there, what happens next? How many of them fall asleep? All fall asleep. But then there is a cry, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. I don't know what's going to happen, but something is going to shake the world, and it's going to shake the church, and we're going to wake up. It's going to be the Holy Spirit. Five of, all of them trim their lamps, but five of the foolish virgins go up to the wise. Our lamps are going out. They had some oil but they weren't filled, their lamps weren't filled with oil. And they said, can you sell us some? No, you go and buy from those that sell. And while they go and buy, Jesus comes, the bridegroom comes, and those five wise virgins go in. When the foolish come back, let us in, let us in. And what does Jesus say? I don't know you. This is a message to the church of the last days. And just like they didn't like to hear the prophets back in the day, <laughs> I mean, look at Ellen White. Let's get rid of her. Let's send her to Australia. 
And out of love, it's out of love that God gives us this message in Matthew 25. He cares about us. See, we're outside the door in Matthew 25. You know why we're outside the door in Matthew 25? Because Jesus was knocking on the door in Revelation 3 in the Laodicean message, and he was outside the door. Please, let me in. They never let him in. They never let him in. My friends, in some parts of the world, Christians are being arrested and tortured for believing in Jesus Christ. If you were arrested for being a Christian today, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Today we are in an oil crisis, and if there was ever a time to be drilling for oil, praying for the Holy Spirit, it is now. See, the Bible tells us the state of the church. You want to know why young people, 70% of them, never come back to church? Because it's just an institution. They're going through the form of the motions, but they don't see the power. You say you're Christian, you're Christ-like, but I don't see it. There's some. I don't want to be this straight, but i got to be. In 2 Timothy, and I'm talking about myself, I want to be filled up. I want to not be carnal. Carnal means that you're lukewarm. I want to be red hot for Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that it's going to, people in the last days, the church of the last days, will have a form of godliness, but they will deny the what, everybody? The power. In Revelation 3, you know what the last day church is? Laodicea. It means judging the people, judgment hour, last day church. I'm rich and increased with goods and I have need of nothing. I know all about it. Why, Keith, you've done all those evangelistic meetings. You can explain the prophecies. It makes sense. But do I know Jesus? You see, I can know all about prophecy. I can know about a lot of things. I can have faith that moves mountains but if I don't have love, what is it good? May the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. My friends, they don't have enough oil in their lamps in the last days. The lamps go out with the foolish virgins. But here's the good news. There will be a group of people that God is going to be able to say, Well done, good and faithful servant. In Isaiah, it says your light will break forth like the morning. In Revelation 18, it says the earth will be lightened with the glory of God. The louder rain, the loud cry. My friends, powerful things. You know, I noticed too in Matthew 25 that the ten virgins will be doing certain things because they love God. And they're motivated by that love. The love of Christ motivates me. And what are they motivated to do? They don't bury their talents. They don't bury their gifts. They use them for the glory of God. What else uh, does the ten or the five wise virgins do? We read further on in Matthew 25, the same chapter. He says, feed the hungry, the thirsty. Take strangers in, clothe the naked. Visit the sick in prison. My friends, when you do it to the least, of these, you've done it unto me. In Isaiah 58, it describes the condition of the church and it describes how we need the heart of Christ. May the beauty of the Lord our God be upon Keith Knoll and everybody in this auditorium today. How important is the 58th chapter? 
Pastor Nehemiah shared this the other day. I thought, oh no, he's going to take my sermon. <laughs> but anyway, I want to share with you, this, is, this blesses my heart. And I, in Evangelism, page 516, she says this, The 58th chapter of Isaiah contains present truth. Is there any present truthers out there? Contains present truth for the people of God. Here we see how medical missionary work and the gospel ministry are to be bound together as the message is given to the world. People will see Christ in us. They will see a people that have compassion, people that care in a world that is filled with darkness, in a world where uh, the love of many shall wax cold. There will be a people filled with agape love, yes. Amen. displaying the characteristics of the living Christ. She says in Welfare Ministry, page 29, the whole of the 58th chapter of Isaiah is to re be regarded as a message for this what? We ought to pay attention to it then. It's a message for our time, Isaiah 58. So turn with me if you will, follow with me if you will in your Bibles. I'll have it on the screen for your convenience, uh, Isaiah 58. So what is the message of Isaiah 58? Let's take a look at it and ask yourselves, are we a little bit like the people of Isaiah's time? Mercy. Now listen to what this verse says in verse 1. Shout it aloud. The old King James says, cry aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. I'm always asking God, please calm me down a little bit on that area. <laughs> Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people. They're his people. He loves his people. Declare to my people the rebellion and the house of Jacob, their sins. Now, does it sound like there's a problem going on here? Does it sound serious? Well, when you read verse 2, you scratch your head and you wonder, what's the problem, Isaiah? This is what they're doing. It says in verse 2, for day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. We're rich, we're increased with good. Nothing. That's the state of the people back in the days of Isaiah. They asked me for just decisions and seemed eager for God to come near me, near them. They seem eager to know God's way. They seek Him daily. They want to know His ways. So why does verse 1, why does the prophet say, cry aloud, or God says to the prophet, cry aloud, spare not, show my people their sins. Clearly, the people of that time, they did not understand what Isaiah was so excited about. They are frustrated. They just don't understand it. And we see it in verse 3. Look at verse 3. It says, why have we fasted, they say, and you have, you have not seen it. Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? God, what is up with that? I mean, I've been fasting. I'm going the extra mile. God, don't you notice what I'm doing? What do you have to do to please God? 
Why aren't you paying attention? Aren't you impressed? Man, oh man, I'm starving on this corner like the Pharisees did in Jesus' time. And I'm, you know, looking haggard. Be impressed, God. God tells them why. He tells them why in the second half of verse 3. And he doesn't sugarcoat it. Notice what he says in verse 3. Yet... On the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. You know what the word exploit means? They were oppressing them. They were taking advantage of them. They were abusing them. Their hearts were not in the right place. And yet they thought they had it all together. Yet on the day of your fasting, as we read on, you do as you please exploit all your workers. Your fasting, where does it lead to? Your fasting ends in quarreling, strife, and striking each other with wicked fists. We read something about that yesterday on 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the last few verses, and 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the last few verses. Paul calls the babes in Christ, he calls them brethren, but he calls them carnal. He says, you're still carnal. You got one foot out there in the world because what are they doing? The Corinthians, they're arguing. They're striving against each other. My friends, we don't want to do that in these last days. As I said earlier this week, as a ministerial director, I get all those wonderful phone calls when people aren't happy. <laughs> a one church uh, in our conference, and it happens throughout the United States as I talk to other people, and it happens in other churches. I can remember, let's, let's try to maybe stay away from the Adventist church because we're, you know, we're the perfect church. <laughs> we don't make mistakes, do we? I remember when I was pastoring in Memphis, Tennessee, a little church up the uh, uh, up the way in Covington, Tennessee, it was reported on the news that they were arguing about something in this certain church. Why, it could have been a Baptist church, Methodist church. Why, it could have even been an Advent. Oh, that doesn't happen in Adventist churches. They were arguing, and it got down real serious, I guess, where they had to call the police. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Yeah, God have mercy on us. And, you know, God's done a lot of work on me. I told you the other day I had a hot temper. I remember the first church I had. I won't tell you where it was at. <laughs> but anyway, to protect everybody. But <laughs> anyway, this one guy, he was an intellectual, and he was always asking these questions. If God can do anything, can he make a rock so big that he can't roll it? You know, those type of questions. And he was always diverting the prayer meeting. And here's the precious little, pious little Keith Knoll. Anyway, I'm listening to this one night, and I had enough. You know what I said to that dear brother? I says, I'm sick and tired of your stupid questions. <laughs> this little light of mine. Yeah, we sang that song and closed up prayer meeting. <laughs> but anyway, you know what? Me and him became very good friends. And he gave me a, a, a great big, we asked for forgiveness for each other and confessed our wrongs. You know, there's no, there's no argument where somebody, uh, both of us, both parties are usually got some wrong in them. But you know what? When I left that district, he gave me a big bear hug. I can remember when I was uh, up here at Puyallup, Washington, 
uh, Mike comes flying in to see his daughter who's going to, uh, not school, but going to Auburn. And anyway, he calls me up on the phone. We were friends at that time. And he says, hey, let me take you out to lunch, him and his wife, Norma. And they take me out to lunch to the country buffet. And we're sitting there, we're talking about and catching up on things in that old district. And he says, you remember that time? I felt like crawling underneath the table. I said, yeah. Uh, anyway, we had a good laugh over it. And I praise God that there could be a healing between our relationships. You know, I almost got close to being fired over that. You know? I mean, that's what I heard through the grapevine. <laughs> and it doesn't surprise me. They probably should have. My friends, I want that to be just religious. I want to be, and I could tell you some, I could tell you some other stories where God had a hold of me, but I'm trying to show you that we all need Christ and we need to be filled up with the Holy Spirit. All this fighting, all this strife has got to go. My friends, I don't want to just look good. I want Christ in me. I don't want to be a white sepulcher. I want Christ in me. What was the people like in the days of Isaiah? Here they thought they were so good and had it all together. Isaiah lays it out, boy, and he lays it out strong. In verse 5 of chapter 1, it says, The whole head is sick, and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even unto the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. You talk about the sewers that you worked on putrefying sores. In verse 10, he compares his people to Sodom and Gomorrah. And yet they thought it, they had it to hold together. In verse 11, it says, I have no pleasure. God is speaking to the people of that time. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations. He says, I cannot bear your evil assemblies. He says, my soul, in verse 14, hates this. I am weary of bearing them. What? Are we anything like that? Having a form of godliness. Where's all the young people these days? I'm rich and increased with goods. I have need of nothing. What is it going to be like? They're not going to have enough Holy Spirit in their lamps in the last days. At least some of them aren't. I pray and pray, and we need to pray, every one of us, God, give us that Holy Spirit today. I ate bread back in 1979, but I need bread every day. I, if I ate physically just once every 40 years, it sure wouldn't be enough to keep me going. I'd starve to death. And some people are trying to do that spiritually. My friends, this is the kind of fast they were doing, and it turned God off. Is this the kind of fast that God wanted? Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for a man to humble himself? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying on sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Now, this is not the kind of fast God once. It might impress us, but it doesn't impress God. What kind of fasting does God want? This is the kind of fast that God has chosen for us. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the change of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke and set the oppressed free and break 
every yoke. Pastor Nehemiah, man, I tell you what, when you told about that message down in California, I believe it was, where there was an evangelistic meetings going on, and these people from all these various gangs came, and as they preached the message, and they made that altar call, gang members came down, put their guns on the platform, put their dope on the platform. I'm telling you that that's only the spirit of the living God that can do something like that. To undo the heavy burdens. Do you know anybody this morning that has a heavy burden? Everybody has heavy burdens. Can you give them a helping hand? Are you the hands of Christ? Are you the ears? Can you give them a listening ear? Can you give them a word of encouragement? Maybe they got cancer. Maybe they got finances. Maybe their, their kids have turned against them. Can you write them a card? Can you send them a note? Can you make that phone call? And if we're connected to the Holy Spirit, He will whisper to us. Do you believe that? In that still, small voice. I remember one morning when I was a call porter in Michigan, and all of a sudden I, I was, uh, you know, thinking about my cousin Rosie, who I shared the gospel with. She became a Christian Adventist. And anyway, something just, I couldn't get her out of my mind. So I called her up on the phone. I says, Hey, Rosie, how you doing? She says, What are you calling me for? Did the pastor call you and tell you to call me? I says, no. I says, I was just calling to see how you were doing. Are you sure he didn't put you up to this and have you call me? I says, no. What's going on? He says, well, I went to church the other day, and I was teaching in the little Sabbath school, and she had, I know she shouldn't have had them on, and she's kind of a strong-willed person and all that stuff, but anyway, she had some stuff on that she shouldn't have had on. And they confronted her with it. She was so embarrassed, so proud, and instead of humbling herself, that she walked out and she's never been to the Adventist church again. Just be careful. You know, if you think you have to talk to somebody, you better know that person. You better know them well. You better have a real relationship with that person before you go off on them. What kind of fast has God called us to do? He has called us to deny ourselves. Oh, I really want to watch that movie tonight. I don't want to go to prayer meeting. I, 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 I'm too busy with social media. I don't have time to read my Bible. I don't have time to write a little card of encouragement or give a friend a call. I don't have time to listen to you. I, I'm all about me. Listen to me. You know, I tell you what, may there be a heart transplant. May there be a change. May old things pass away and all things become new in Jesus Christ. This is the kind of fast that God wants. Verse 7, is it not to share your food with the hungry? This is beginning to sound like Matthew 25. What the ten virgins that have enough oil, what are they doing? It is, not to sh is it not to share your food with the hungry, to provide the poor wonder with shelter? You know, there's all kinds of hunger out there. It's not just physical hunger. There are people that are lonely. You know what used to really aggravate, it still aggravates me. Go to these churches, I have an evangelistic meetings. Guests are coming to Fellowship Mill. And where are the saints? They're all talking to each other, just like you said, Pastor Nehemiah. And then there's a one person over here on the table sitting all by themselves, a guest. There's another uh, guest sitting over here by themselves. Is anybody talking to them? 
and you know, I'm running back and forth trying to make these feel these people feel at home, helping them to make make them feel loved. May the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. It says here to give them shelter. You know, people are hungry emotionally. They're hungry socially. They're hungry spiritually, of course. We need to feed them all kinds of food, spiritual food and physical food and fellowship. The early church was all about fellowship. That's why those small groups and those home churches work. If we get back to doing it biblically, <laughs> if we get to back to doing it biblically, my friends, we will see things happen. Bring the poor to your house, the lonely. Bring them into your social circle. You know, I was down uh, years ago when I was pastoring in Memphis, Tennessee. I heard the story that um, Garth Brooks knew a rancher, and we had horses at our camp, church camp, Indian Creek camp. And uh, nobody knew it at first, but this Garth Brooks was in the truck with this guy bringing the hay. And all of a sudden, somebody noticed Garth Brooks is in the truck. My friends, it was like a tsunami. I mean, the Garth Brooks, Garth Brooks is here. Wouldn't it be nice if we treated the homeless, toothless, greasy, stinking, smelly, homeless person like that? Jesus said, what? When you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. Clothe the naked with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Sure, give him some clothes if he needs some clothes, but clothe him with the righteousness of God. Do I have his heart? Do I have his spirit? My friends, I want to do the work that Christ has asked me to do. In Ministry of Healing, page 143, you've heard this quote. We know it. We memorize it. But why don't we live it? Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. The Savior mingled with man as one who desired their good. He showed his sympathy for them, ministered to their needs, won their confidence. Then, then he bade them, follow me. I'm, and I like Pastor Nehemiah said, you know, don't get this all lopsided. Yes, we need to do the bridging events. Yes, we may, need to make friends. We, you know, whenever you got a grapevine, some grapes get ripe before other get, grapes get ripe. Pick the grapes that are ripe. Proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Harvest those that are ripe. But my friends, some of them are just green, very green. And you've got to love them. You've got to nurture them. You've got to water it. You've got to fertilize it until they finally reach that harvest stage. It's not this or that, it's both. Jesus said on another occasion, this you should have done and not left the other undone. I was so proud of the Moberly Seventh-day Adventist Church pastored there uh, many moons ago. And this homeless guy came walking into the church. Uh, he drove up on his bicycle, and he literally had rotten teeth. I mean, when you got to him, his breath stunk. And he was greasy looking. And whatever teeth he had left, it was just gross. I mean, just being around him was gross. But you know how the church members there treated that guy? You'd have thought it was Garth Brooks. Everybody was talking to him, loving him up. 
And you know, I'll have to be honest, I'm kind of a clean uh, kind of a clean nut. I like everything to be clean. And here's this homeless guy, you know, kind of tattered in rags and greasy looking, smelly, breath stinks, rotten teeth, greasy hair. And he goes over to the potluck table. And he's picking up food and stuff. And I'm thinking, sheesh, I don't know if I want to go through the potluck table. I'm just being honest. That's what was going through my heart. Did God need to do a work on my heart? Yes, he did. You know, until we can learn to be humble enough to admit that we've got issues in our life, we're never going to see the latter rain happen. And so anyway, but I treated him good in lots of ways. I mean, after I got through preaching the sermon one day, he came walking through line. I was at the reception, you know, at the end of the uh, sanctuary, shaking people's hands. He comes through the line, and he goes... Now, what am I going to do? I shook his hand. You know, I can wash it off. It probably rubbed off on a lot of the other people that came through. <laughs> but there was one lady there, Sarah. Oh, I don't want to mention names. There was one lady there, and she was kind of a dignified lady. She was our treasurer. And she went the extra mile. All of us talked to the homeless guy, tried to treat him with love and kindness and all that, and I was proud of that. But this lady went the extra mile. Praise God. She invited him to her home. Not once, but several times. Incredible. That's what we need to see. You see, this is what Ellen White says in Desire of Ages. She makes this observation. She says, the love of Jesus. May God's beauty, may the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. The love of Jesus will melt and win hearts when the mere reiteration of doctrines will accomplish nothing. Let that sink in a little bit. As in Desire of Ages again, during the ministry, uh, ministry, Jesus devoted more time to healing the sick than to preaching. That's an interesting comment. Now, this is a retired pastor that had a nervous breakdown. What does he know? He wrote a book called Spiritual Bodybuilding Lessons. She says, he says, in many churches, tragically, the pastor has become the primary shepherd, soul winner, fundraiser, organizer, administrator, errand boy. According to the New Testament, however, it is actually the members in the pews who are to be the primary shepherds of the flock and the primary soul winners. This is what she says in Gospel Workers, goes right along with that retired pastor. It says, the work of God in this earth can never be finished until men and women comprising our church membership rally to the work and unite their efforts with those of ministers and church officers. My friends, when we fall in love with God, we're going to use our gifts and talents. You Maybe you can't preach. I certainly can't sing. I can't do certain things, but whatever I'm, I can do, I'm going to do them. And I'll tell you what, you know, maybe you don't have an education. Maybe you never went through college or whatever. God doesn't need, uh, you know, your uh, so talented stuff. He needs your availability is what he needs. What will happen, my friends, when we are willing to sacrifice our time, our gifts, the really sacrifice for God. Did the disciples sacrifice for God? They lost their lives. Last night, or sometime yesterday, I talked about Bartholomew, 
They say, they don't know for sure, but the scant records that we have, he was skinned alive for preaching the gospel of Christ. Any of, that, any of that happened in Washington State or in the United States? I don't think so. May we light up the world with the love of God. If we do these things that's spelled out for us in Isaiah 58, if we do these things that are spelled out from the love of Christ, Christ living in us, in Matthew 25, notice what will happen. This is a promise of God, and he does not lie. Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing, we all need healing, will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. My friends, when that happens, when we do Matthew 25, Isaiah 58, then they're going to be ready to hear the message. And we're going to light up the world with the glory of God. Amen. May the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, it says in Psalms 90. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, Here am I if you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing of a finger. Does anybody point fingers? And malicious talk. You want to go on a fast today? Then fast from pointing fingers. Fast from the malicious talk. What you write off, God embraces like the lepers. Come, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Zacchaeus, that stinking cheat. Samaritan woman, she'd been married five times, shacking up with somebody. Whose life will you make a difference in? You know, do we look for the gold or do we look for the dirt? I think of this one story. It was about this little girl, and her name was Annie. True story, around the turn of the century, she was thrown into a mental institution. She was, I don't know, 10, 12 years old, but she was like a little animal. And in those days, what they did with those type of people, they threw them down kind of like into a dungeon, into a cage, and people would bring food to her, and she'd throw the food at them, and she would come at them like a demon-possessed person. But one little nurse kept on trying to go down there, feed her some uh, you know, food and speak to her kindly and talk to her. And one day, she started to make some connection. And one day, that girl got so healthy, mentally and emotionally, that she actually went to the hospital upstairs and helped out with the other patients. Years later, Helen Keller was over in England, and the queen was pinning one of the highest awards that you could get on Helen Keller. Helen, you know, how you made so many accomplishments in your life. It's amazing what you have done. And Helen Keller, Keller said without hesitation, she says, if it wasn't for Annie, there would be no Helen Keller. Will you be an Annie in somebody's life? And if you span yourselves on behalf of the hungry, emotionally, whatever, spiritually, physically, and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, what will happen? God promises. Then your light, your God's love, agape, will rise in the darkness. And my friends, the world is very dark now, and it needs to see the body of Christ. May the beauty of the Lord of our God be upon us and your night will become like the noonday. 
Who will you be Jesus to? Because Jesus lives in you. Who will you be the water of life to? Who will, if you want to be the fountain of living water, make sure you take time to drink from it yourself every single day. If you want your light to rise in the darkness, you have to spend time with the light. Now, here's what Ellen White, how she sums up Isaiah 58. She says, here are given the characteristics of those who shall bear the banner of the third angel's message. Those who avow themselves God's commandment-keeping people. Isaiah 58 describes what the wise virgins will be doing they need to be filled up with the oil. They need to be filled up with the Holy Spirit. And if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry, he says your light will rise in the darkness. It'll be like noonday in this dark world that we live in. In Isaiah 58, it says the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. You know, someday I wonder if we'll ever have any regrets about how we lived our lives. The gifts, the talents, the time, uh, the stewardship of everything that God has given us. I remember, I make mistakes. Here I am, the conference evangelist for the Kentucky-Tennessee Conference. I'm riding on my bicycle. Got to get exercise. That's important. So I'm riding on my bicycle on a fantastic trail there in Nashville that goes through the woods, goes by a river, and I go around this corner, and there on an old stone fence, I see a young man sitting on that fence. It's a beautiful sunny day in Nashville, and he's looking at his Bible. Have you ever seen people that just seem to glow with the presence of God? It seemed to me that he was glowing with the presence of God. And the impression came to me, Keith, talk to him, ask him, what's he reading? I says, I saw you there, and you just seemed like you were lit up. What did Keith Noel do? Oh, boy, that meeting's going to start any minute. I better get this thing done and get in the car and get to that meeting. I made a huge mistake that day. But who hasn't? Someday, I don't want to say to the Lord, Lord, I could have done this more. I could have done that more. I could use my gifts and talents to save a soul. I'm going to show you a clip right now, here in a moment. I'm going to show you a clip about a true story by a guy named Schindler who saved a lot of Jews. He was a very rich man. He was a party animal. But somehow he saw the plight of the Jews and he had compassion on them. He saw them going to these camps and being destroyed. And he used his whole fortune to save as many Jews as he possibly could. Let's listen to the clip. Well, listen to it now. It'll take a second to kick in there. He's leaving the Nazi, uh, his factory because the Nazis are coming. If you save one life, you save the world in time. That's what it says on that little ring. Saved hundreds of Jews in his factory. 
spent his whole fortune. Eleven hundred people. Ten people right there could have sold this car. This pin. I pray that we could have the mind of Jesus Christ. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If we could have the mindset of Desmond, the mind of Christ, who says, Lord, how many have saved just one more? Where are we? Why don't we have the passion like Christ, like Schindler, like Desmond Doss? God, give it to us this day. May the beauty of the Lord be upon his people. May the prophecy of Isaiah 58 be fulfilled in you and me. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fell. Jesus said this in John chapter 7, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of what kind of water? Living water. Have you ever seen water through a desert? Right there by that river, everything's green. Living water will flow from within them. 
By this, he meant the what? The Spirit. Do you have the living water today? In Scripture, the Spirit is compared to water, fire. Uh, he's compared to oil. Do you have that living water today? The words I speak to you, you got to spend time every day with God. you got to be asking for the Holy Spirit daily. We read that this week over and over and over again. Bible, Spirit of Prophecy. I want to go to that fountain life, not just yesterday, not just last night, but every single day. Knock, knock, knock. Ding, dong, ding, dong, ding, dong. I want bread. Bread from heaven. Heavenly manna. When I go to that water, the river of water of life, I don't want just a thimbleful. I don't want just a little cup. I want all that I can possibly hold. Some... Sad to say, quench their thirst on the fountains of cisterns that can hold no water. Jesus is going to say to those saints that have his heart and mind, he's going to say to the wise virgins who had enough oil, enough spirit, come you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry socially and emotionally and spiritually and physically and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a Nobody let me in their little social circle. You know why there's so many mass killings? Because there's a bunch of nerds out there that don't feel loved. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes, the righteousness of Christ, and you clothed me. I was a sick, sick, sick individual and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. The well, when did we do this? The king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these, the brothers of mine, you did for me. When my mom died in 2012, four more minutes, okay. Uh, and when my wife, my mom died in, in 2012, my niece went into the bedroom and she knew she was dying. She only had a few days left. And she says, what words would you like to leave for your sons and your daughter? for your family. She says, love God and love each other. It don't get any more simple than that. Love. People saw it in Jesus' face. They felt it in his touch. They heard it in his voice. What do they see when they look at you and me? Do they see the face of Christ? Do they hear the voice of Christ? Do they see the hands of Christ? My friends, who will you reach out to this week? Who will you reach out today? What captive will you set free? Do you want that living water? Then receive it by faith. The Bible says in Revelation 22, verse 17, and the spirit and the bride say come. Let him who hears say come, and let him who thirsts come, and whosoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Do you want that water today? I invite you to... Uh, Come today. Last night we had an altar call, but you know what? We had an altar call that we're going to make a commitment to pray every day for the Holy Spirit. Today's a new day. I need to be asking for the Holy Spirit. Ding, dong, ding, dong. I'm here. Give me a blessing. And we need to wrestle like Jacob wrestled with the angel until we are blessed. Yes. And my friends, if you want to make that commitment today to pray for the Holy Spirit, to believe it by faith every single day of your life, I'm asking you to renew it again today. 
I'm asking you to come out of your seats and I want you to join me down here and I want to have a circle of prayer. I'm going to have a group prayer with each and every one of you. Please, yes. Thank you. God, help us all. Love you. Come on in, Pastor. Pastor John. I'm thankful that the Spirit has moved you to make that commitment to Him right now. I thank you for Pastor John. I was blessed by his message. I've been blessed by Nehemiah's message. And all that transpired tells me that the Lord was moving in all of this, the way it dovetailed. And so right now I'm going to say a short prayer. I'm going to have... Pastor Nehemiah, and then Pastor John pray as well. Dear Heavenly Father, God in heaven, you love us with an everlasting love. We are precious in your sight. We are the apple of your eye. You are with us always, even unto the end of the world. You will never leave us or forsake us. We're the one who forsakes you. Lord, yes, help us. Help us this day to be filled up with the love of God, with the mind of Christ. Help us to understand the length and breadth and the oh, just the whole dimensions of you. May the beauty of the Lord God be upon us. For I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father in heaven, Lord, I pray in agreement with that prayer, and I pray and thank you for the Holy Spirit and how he has been working and moving in our midst, bringing revival, bringing transformation, making Christ a reality in our lives. And Father, we just want to submit and surrender all to you this morning. Thank you for inviting us to be a part of the family of God. Yes. Help us, Lord, to go out and invite others to join. Please, please. Lord, may your love flow in us and through us and grant us the Holy Spirit as you promised. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Father in heaven, Lord, I agree with these prayers. And Lord, we have been so grateful to hear your word preached here this afternoon, Lord. Amen. Father, we have, our hearts have been touched, and Lord, lives are being changed, Lord, even now. Lord, change our hearts, yes, Lord. Lord. Help us to have hearts that long for you, long for heaven, long for the things uh, that, that will last for eternity. Amen. Father, there are so many distractions in our world today. Lord, there are so many things calling for our attention, but Lord, help us each day to seek first the kingdom yes. of heaven yes. and his righteousness, yes. and all these things will be added to us, Lord. Lord, we want to put you first, and Lord, we ask for forgiveness, yes, Lord, Lord, for the times please. that we have not put you first. And Lord, we pray that you would do a work in us that we cannot do for ourselves. Amen. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us to be able to stand for you in these last days, Lord, filled with your spirit. Yes. That we might be able to go yes. and take this good news, Lord, to all the world. Yes. Bless each one of us, Lord. May our fires burn bright for you, Lord, with the Holy Spirit living in us, Lord. May we go on your errands, Lord, and Amen. do your will. We pray in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen.